Here we are with episode 66 of the Florida Trail Runners podcast. And this time we're talking about the Blue Ridge Ultra. And for this episode, we are quite literally talking about the front of the pack and the back of the pack. We've got Corey Waltering, your champion for the 2022 Blue Ridge Ultra. And we've got Amanda Dean, your Floridian, and your DFL for the race this year. These two runners, they absolutely crushed it and had one heck of a race. Joining those two, we've got your race director, the man, Jeff. He's the RD for AR Georgia, and they put on a bunch of adventure races and ultra and trail races. It's awesome to have his perspective joining the chat. So hey, with that, let's kick it off with the stories from the Blue Ridge Ultra. Hey, Jeff. Hey, how's it going? Good. All right. Amanda was our female winner. She was DFL. Oh, she was my DFL. Oh, wow. Okay. That's still finishing. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you finish or not, what time you finish, as long as you finish. Hey, Amanda. How are we doing? Good. Corey said he just walked in the door. He's grabbing his iPad. All right. Awesome. All right. That man's a machine. He's like running a 50K every weekend this month. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he just smashed out Clawhammer. Yeah, I saw that. I actually, that one's super exciting to me um, because we go, so I coach um, middle school and high school cross country. And every year we go up to Brevard, North Carolina for running camp. Oh, that's a good one. And, and uh, the, I was looking at some of the trail maps from Clawhammer, and that's like right where, where we run, right where we are in that area every summer. It's beautiful up there. Not the Blue Ridge wasn't beautiful. That was a great venue as well, Jeff. That was awesome. I mean, I didn't see much more than the trail itself because I was just trying not to fall on my face the whole time, but definitely a beautiful area. Yeah, and I will say this. Clawhammer only has 6,200 feet of climbing, <laughs> and I think Blue Ridge is just over 8,000 feet. Yeah, everybody has a different elevation game. You know, it seems like um, yeah. everybody's watches is different, but it's it's over seven and it's under eight. You know, is what it. I mean, what it, it typically comes in at. But we did, and that's a change because we changed the course. Um, the Forest Service closed one of the trails, so we weren't allowed to use it anymore after the first two years and we had to change the route. And um, so the elevation changed a little bit. It got actually bigger. So. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yep. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. My watch had um, just over 7,000 and my cousin who apparently didn't exist, um, but his watch said 7,200. So yeah, right, right in there. It definitely felt like a whole crap load of climbing. But Hey, Corey. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Yeah. Made it. I did. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, bro. How are you? Uh, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just got home from work. So, yeah, all good. Corey, what is work? Uh, so, I work at Rock Creek uh, here in Chattanooga just like three days a week in the footwear department. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. there, there's if somebody if, if Corey's telling you what shoes to wear, you should buy those shoes. One would think so. Um, <laughs> but every once in a while, there's someone that doesn't think so. And that's OK. <laughs> really? That's because they, they don't have a Speedo department. That's true. 
<laughs> Maybe we could start something there. Oh, we could. The the girls, they wear, I mean, basically almost wear Speedos. Some of them might see the top runners. Pretty much, yeah. You know, I mean, Ominous this is the perfect net. Oh, yeah. It would look really, really bad, but I would model a pair. And, and, you know, <laughs> and I don't give a shit. So I'll just, I'll wear it and say, hey, check it out. Boom. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Well, hey, I guess we could kick it off with, obviously, you know, a little bit about yourselves. And I know for you, Corey, you've already been racing since the Blue Ridge Ultra. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's been a wild couple of weeks. Uh, October 1st, I did Stump Jump 50K up in Chattanooga, then did Blue Ridge Ultra on the 8th, and then the following Saturday, I did Claw Hammer 50K out in Brevard, North Carolina. Golly. What do you got next weekend? Uh, hopefully nothing. I haven't said that for anything at the moment. <laughs> no, um, but then I'm headed out to Sweden in a couple weeks for 100K over there. Um, so October is like a big month of just kind of getting back into the swing of racing and remembering how it feels. Awesome. Yeah. You're a man known for the, you know, the Speedo. What's the history on that? Uh, yeah, so I was down in Florida. Um for the dunes 50k back in like 20 i guess it had been like 2016 20 no probably 2015 actually um and it was race morning and i realized that i forgot my running shorts so um so i had like a speed well multiple speedos with me because it's florida and i'd planned on going to the beach um so you know i just cut my shirt into a crop top and put a speedo on and there we went <laughs> that's fantastic yeah but i mean coming from a triathlon background uh before ultras i had been wearing the speedo for triathlon stuff so for me it's just like oh you know i, I kind of do this all the time so no big deal um but I actually won the dunes 50k that year and people are like oh he won it in a speedo <laughs> all great all great things come from mistake anyways like i forgot something so this is what i wore i mean there was a lot of uh, adventure racers have like forgotten their trekking shoes and they've run in their boat shoes or they've run in their flip flops or they just run barefoot. And then they find out, oh, I enjoyed that a lot more than regular running shoes. So I'll forget them all the time now. So mistakes sometimes turn that way, isn't it? Yeah, it happens. And, you know, sometimes it works out great. Other times, not so much. <laughs> yeah, and I guess Amanda, you know, what's that? What's that background? Well, let's see. So, like, growing up, you know, I played, like, soccer. That was my sport, like, all through college and stuff. After college, I went to, my husband was in grad school at Penn State, and I went to state college and became a power lifter. So, I was actually a competitive power lifter for, I don't know, five, six years. That might actually be my favorite sport. And then we moved here and I was never really much of a runner, but somehow got into coaching um, track and cross country as well as soccer at the school where I'm teaching. And I was actually a soccer player. Okay. So that's from, well, that's, that's, that's a new different level of toughness there. I, I can't run side to side and, and backwards. Soccer is a totally different animal. 
and I was a goalie. I didn't like to run a whole, whole lot. I was quick for a couple of steps and that's all I needed to be. But I got, I got suckered into indoor soccer oh, the best. in Sanford, Florida. Uh-huh. There's an indoor soccer yeah. facility. Yeah. What yeah. We- XL like- World or something. Yeah. 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 I don't know if it's still there. I mean, cause I, it was years ago, but yeah, I was like 20, I think I was like 25 years old or something like that. And I didn't play soccer at all. And they're like, don't worry about it. We just need a goalie. <laughs> just stop the ball i'm like okay <laughs> right. oh i loved indoor we played a lot of indoor I, so i grew up in upstate new york and we played a lot of indoor because you know you're under snow yeah. mo- you know a lot of the year so we had our our spring season our fall season and our indoor season in the winter and that was, i loved it um I, I played a little bit of adult league down here for a while but you know, you know maybe not so differently from adventure racing that the group of people that you're playing with kind of makes it or breaks it for you um yeah. i think when you become an adult so um and a lot of the people i was teammates with that kind of moved on a couple guys moved a couple guys kind of kind of retired said it was a little <laughs> little too much and then that team fell apart and i haven't played since so i'm kind of always chasing like what am i gonna do um clearly i'm not great at sticking with the training but i like to continue <laughs> to, to set the challenges and and go out there and see what see what i can do so running seems to be the easiest thing to find opportunities i guess to to keep going trying to continue to you know just have the opportunity to get out and, and get moving. I'm super fortunate that my job, I'm on my feet and moving around most of the time. But, you know, I know so many people and Bill's one of them. You sit at a desk all day. Oh, you know, so yeah. you gotta, you gotta find something to just keep yourself moving. And then sometimes you set really ridiculous goals for yourself and don't train for them and participate in them anyway and just try not to die. (laughs) (laughs) There's a t-shirt that I saw that was try not to die. (laughs) Um, Just kind of started some, some running from there really. Um, You know, like, like we were saying earlier, you know, you get older, a lot of those competitive outlets kind of wash up and go away and, a lot of what's left for people of a certain age is is running events. You know, you can find 5Ks, 10Ks pretty much everywhere most of the year round. So it's like, all right, you got to do something to got to do something to stay in shape, something to like, like Jeff said, kind of keep yourself sane and escape reality a little bit. And so um, I've kind of dabbled in running here and there. It's, it's not a love of mine by any means, but um, I like to challenge myself. So sometimes I do really stupid things like sign up for a 50 K and not really train for it and just try to beat the cutoffs. So (laughs) that's, that's pretty much what brought me to Blue Ridge. And, you know, we've, we've known Jeff, forever and like i was like ah we'll just you know what that sounds like a fun one to do and you know support support a a guy in a business that that we um kind of kind of care about and you know see if see how it goes and just kind of care about just kind of care about you know i like connor a lot but you're you're kind of you're kind of all right too it comes to package deal you can't love hunter without love for (laughs) me that's true because without you we don't we don't have hunter so (laughs) which is pretty awesome um but yeah so it's like ah, if i'm gonna do one i don't i hate 
like running flat roads just drive me crazy so I'm like I you know it'd be way easier to do a flat 50k somewhere but I love being in the mountains I love I love hiking I love backpacking uh, my daughter and I have gotten a lot more into backpacking the last few summers and the trails kind of it sounds so corny but the trail is my happy place I love being on a trail even when I was a, a kid like any any chance I got we'd, we'd go up and go go hiking somewhere and whatever so I was like all right we'll, we'll go find a find a trail 50k and see what we can do um and it was i think what was the quote you said that you saw on a shirt don't die that was such a great goal yeah try not to die Um, my my legs on sunday and monday might have preferred if i had actually died i did not um and and it was great experience and the crazy thing is is i finished it you know i did a marathon i did the disney marathon about i think it was in 2012 maybe something like that and i was like that's it i'm good i have zero desire to ever do another one and i never did another one again until i crossed the 26.2 mile mark two weeks ago but there was something about you know trying trying to do the 50k a friend of mine my friend sarah who i coach with we're like you know what before we turn and she's done like 20 marathons she's a big time runner before we turn 50 we need to try and do a 50k and then like her knee is trash now so she can't really do the mountains at all and i was just kind of tooling around i probably got some kind of an email from jeff last year or something that was like hey sign up for the blue ridge ultra like all right i'm gonna do it because i turned 49 this summer so that was the thing it was supposed to be this you know the year that you turn 50 like i'm just gonna do it i'm just gonna just gonna sign it up sign up and do it and then i finished it barely but i was so happy because i i didn't die and you know i i came in under the time goal because i know you you like let everybody finish but you did have a, a stated time goal so like that's that was where I wanted to be I like wanted to beat that that 10 hour cutoff and I was like nope okay I'm good I don't ever have to do this again and then for the last week all I keep thinking about is hey what if I actually trained for one that might be fun (laughs) so who knows you might you might find me out there again yeah we have a pretty relaxed 10 hour cutoff you know because when I when I did when I did it, it took me eight and a half hours. And I okay. was like, man, I said, uh, you know, that's a lot more elevation gain than I thought there was when we did the test runs. And then Hunter did it in like, you know, six and a half hours. And I'm like, yeah. oh, crap. Well, that's that's pretty fast. And then I was thinking about, well, if we're already there, we're already set up. I don't want them running in the dark. So I got to get yeah. back before six. And I can't start earlier. You guys would be wearing your headlamps for the first right. mile, which is never fun either. either. Right. So, you know, from that... From that, uh, from the time we started eight to to six is it's been good. I mean, it, it's a, it's a good benchmark because I've I've not made it to the finish line on a couple of ultras because the cutoffs are just really really short. Amanda, you're Bill Dean's wife, right? Yep. I yep. Sure okay. I did so- not know that you were second to the last. <laughs> I was trying to I was just trying to get in under the cutoff but um so apparently there was somebody like way behind me because at the last um aid station before we headed in hunter told me there was one person behind me and he passed us on the way in so i don't know where the other um the first time that the results were posted cuz the results yeah. have been a little janky but the first time they were posted there was a woman about a half an hour behind me so yes. i don't know yeah and there was two guys that i picked up on the side of the road oh nice yeah so i was closing aid station two and um as i was driving down my sweeper um had two guys in front of him and the two guys were like there's no way we're gonna make the cutoff and i'm like no and they're like 
<laughs> so I, I brought them back. Gotcha. Yeah, I was I was actually when the when the dude passed me who I thought was the only one behind me, I was like, yes, DFL. That's what I was shooting for. <laughs> so but the new results, I have to check them again now The 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 quote unquote fixed results actually took 10 minutes off of my time. And um, last I checked had me last. So I'm not quite sure what happened there. But yeah, so my generator went out of gas, which I, you know, I, I had a filter in there and I I thought it was full. Oh, okay. That's the whole race. Well, it shut off and it <laughs> shut the timing system off because that was our power. Gotcha. So he went to reboot the timing system. It wouldn't let him reboot without an update. And there's no internet service there. It was a complete <laughs> nightmare. He's like, oh shit, y'all felt completely shut down. He was on the phone with tech support trying to get it back up without the update, all these things that happened. And then what happened was it took 10 to 15 minutes to do that, which screwed up everybody's time by 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. And then it just jangled everything around. It put back in everybody that didn't show up at the start line, put them all back in. Okay. And gave them first place in all the divisions. <laughs> just <laughs> a complete nightmare. Yeah. You are the DFL. Now I'm looking at the results right now. 91st place, Amanda Dean. I'm taking it. It doesn't matter if you change it at this point. Taking it with a, as a point of pride and uh, stupidity. <laughs> I'm just going to roll with it. Mike Milton pretty much just was just emailing people and just saying, you know, what time would you like? Because <laughs> you know? it's like, we don't know what your time was. You got your watch. You know, the, the, the money guys... The money guys and the top guys, they all got paid. They all know who won. You know, <laughs> the rest of us are just like, man, it'd be nice to have Ultra Sign Up have me 10 minutes faster. Okay, that'll be what my time is. So, <laughs> there you go. Uh, you set an unrealistic standard for me now, though. That's <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, at least you showed up. I mean, Bill copped out, didn't he? So, you know. He, he did. He, he's dealing with a little bit of a shoulder injury that was kind of lingering for so long. He thought he might have done something to a day disc or yeah. something but he he's good i think he's he's kind of back on track to doing some stuff again here pretty soon yeah. you know his whole background i'm sorry uh joseph we're totally hijacking your <laughs> thing here but his oh, whole background his whole background as a competitive athlete you know in college and high school was as a sprinter so yeah. the whole long distance stuff is actually like goes completely against how his body is wired yeah. but he's definitely enjoyed it um i think I think you'll probably see him back out there before too long. Where did yeah. he run in college? He um, ran track and played football at a small school in upstate New York called Rensselaer Polytechnic, RPI. They um, It's a D3 school for everything except for ice hockey. Yeah, I, I ran cross cut. I was nothing but a skinny little run, um, <laughs> running track and cross country up until I got married. And, you know, I really didn't have a feel for mountain biking and adventure racing. That kind of like grew in yeah. here. And yeah, I was I was sprinting really fast, but I didn't know how to mountain bike or paddle. Right. And um, it took a while to to gear into that and then i think my in my 20s staying up at clubs all night long (laughs) (laughs) helped me with adventure racing your best training right there we uh we didn't get into you know the ar thing until we got down here bill was a like i said he was a sprinter in high school and college and played football and he got into to road cycling when he was in grad school at penn state and 
the road cycling up there is amazing and the road cycling down here is not amazing um here's a fun fact so your husband has the four by 100 meter relay record for <laughs> his does. university he does in yes. 1995 the year that i was is- born Oh my gosh. You're a, you're a, you're a baby. <laughs> he does. I forgot that he still had that record. Yeah. Him and him and yeah, actually that four by one team was, I think three of the guys on the four by one that still hold that record were his football teammates as well. Dang. That was, was a good group. Yeah. So he's, he's pretty proud of that. He actually, uh, qualified provisionally for NCAA nationals in the hundred meters that year and then blew his hamstring and wasn't able to to finish out the season so it was kind of uh disheartening for him. he was he was heartbroken always a competitor you know we're well I don't know how old are you now <laughs> 30, 30 some years later he's still he's still out here running around and training and trying to find stuff to do so I guess that's what we're all doing at this point if we're if we're still active at this point we're just looking for things to do and hopefully we find something that we we continue to enjoy because for most of us it doesn't look like what it did in, in college you know this one this one is this was the best weather ever so both oh, and you had the best trail conditions the best weather that we've had since we started this three years ago because three years in a row we've had torrential downpours and really? the trail is just muddy as can be and leaves and mud on rocks and roots is never a good thing um, so we had a lot of people falling and slipping and, and you just can't get traction. You don't feel comfortable. So you're, you're hesitating. So you guys actually had the best conditions ever. It was a beautiful day. Yeah, it was, it was perfect. The only, the only issue I had is weather wise, and this is going to sound probably stupid, but, um, you know, I am totally used to running in, in the Florida heat and humidity. And when I got running on the downhills, my, it was just cool enough that my eyes were watering and that combined with the, the leaf on the trail, I was having a hard time seeing, Yeah, but it's just because you know my eyes were that first hour or so, and then it then it warmed up, and I, and I was good. Yeah, the the weather was perfect. I don't think we could have asked for better weather. Yeah, you know, you're the man, the race director. Kind of, what's your background, and why did the Blue Ridge Ultra have to happen? Well, um, I have been a race director in Florida for a long time um, in adventure racing. I, I was not into ultra running, putting on any type of events down there. Well, when I got up here to North Georgia, and I started a AR Georgia. Basically, I was invited to take over the Blue Ridge Adventure Race, which happens every May. It's going on its 27th year, the longest running adventure race in America. Wow. So um, I was second choice to take that over, that race over, but the first place guy said no. So I was... I was chosen to take over that race by the city of Blue Ridge. The Chamber of Commerce puts in money to attract um, sporting events to their area. And so when the Chamber of Commerce hired me, Ron Zadorga was the original race director. He's been around for a long time in the ultra community and put on an adventure race. And he also put on an, a, you know, an ultra. The city asked me to put on a, a Blue Ridge Ultra. So they wanted to sponsor um, their own race. Their own. They already have the Blue Ridge Adventure Race. So they're like, hey, we want this Blue Ridge Ultra. And so I went to Ron Zadorga and I said, do you got a route? You know, you know the trails better than I do. And he said, well, 
the city might want you to start downtown, but, uh, you know, I would like you to start out at the Iron Bridge, and which is a Shallowford Bridge. Um, it's a historic place. It's beautiful, scenic. It's already way out on the main trail, which is the beat, the bit Mackay. And uh, so I started playing around with the idea of starting out there. He decided he actually designed the original course. Um, which has been modified now, but it's basically starting at the Iron Bridge and heading out to BMT until you basically make a lollipop loop and back. Um, and so when he designed the course, we went out and tested it, um, really loved it, loved the idea of it starting at the Iron Bridge because it's a little rafting community there and, and they're, it's their downtime. They just shut down for the season. So we're able to use the entire property. Um, the The... The cafe there does such a great job of catering, making made-to-order food for every racer. Um, and so it, it just it's just a perfect location, perfect time of the year. And um, it just ended up being that this race ended up being iconic. We only had we had 90 runners the first year. And Ron says, man, if you if you get you know, if you get more than 50, that would be great. And we got 90. And then now in our fourth year, we were over 300. So it was really cool to have, you know, this many people come out and support this race. Yeah. And I guess, Jeff, are there certain points on the course that, you know, they're must-sees for the runner? And I guess for Amanda and Corey, did you have any favorite, like, viewpoints out there? Well, definitely Brawley. Um, so the top of Brawley is where the fire tower used to be, but it's now nothing but cell phone towers. Um so Brawley's the the highest point up there that you have to basically start from down the river at the Iron Bridge and make your way all the way up there. Um, all that that entire section of the Benton Mackay is very well maintained. Um, it's very populated. A lot of people use it, and so that that's the reason why we pick that spot. Because if you go further north, it's not as used as much, not as maintained. So we really liked that section of the course, but definitely the top of Brawley is where it's unpredictable. You could be down at the river, and like I said, the first year we had that monsoon come in. It was actually not a monsoon. I always say monsoon, but um, it was actually a tropical storm coming out of Florida that that breezed by us, dumped a crap load of wind and rain. It didn't seem much at the river, but when you got up to top of Brawley, it was like 50 mile an hour winds up there. Oh, wow. And so it pushed a lot of people around and, and made it difficult for runners. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they loved it. They came back laughing about it. And, uh, but that's definitely the best part is the top of Brawley. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I kind of joke about the course because uh, there's another race that takes place in May. And in May, there's just like no view out on the, any of those trails because it's just so green and so uh, just so full yep. that this is actually the first time I've been on those trails and able to actually see anything. I'm like, oh, wow, it's beautiful here. Yeah, you should come back in uh, in January. You'll be able to see for miles uh, that, you know, when people talk about hiking the Appalachian Trail and they say, oh, it's the green tunnel. And during the summer, it absolutely is. You don't see anything. You're just constantly in the green tunnel but if you do it in the winter there's so much to see on the appalachian trail and all these trails up in the mountains when it's winter time and, and and hunter and i do most of our scouting during that time um because there's no races going on so um we get to see a lot and actually hunter's race the endurance 100 that actually starts in blue ridge and goes to chatsworth um is in the first of april which the leaves haven't come back yet so you actually get to see so many more views 
at that race compared to a race that has a bunch of leaves on it. Totally. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, my favorite part, I didn't have one. Um, there were a couple of places where I did get to look up and I was like, oh, wow, there's a really cool view right here. But um, I literally spent 10 hours looking at the trail trying to not step on a rock that was going to send me to my doom. So <laughs> I had, uh, I was laughing at myself afterwards. I was like, man, I went up to one of the most beautiful parts of the country and I stared at the trail for 10 hours because um, I just, I, uh, by about 10 miles in, um, I just wasn't really trusting my feet. And it's so rocky up there. You know, down here we have a ton of, we have a ton of roots but they don't slide under your feet. So you can kind of glance at them and know they're there and, and you're good. But we don't have all the loose rock that was all over the trail up there. So, um, yeah, I spent a lot of time just really with my focus down at the ground, making sure that my feet were going in places that I knew they were going to gonna actually find some from some good traction and, and not trip and fall. So... <laughs> Nice. I got I got most of my view seeing in in the car on the on the drives. Now that's a that's definitely a good rule of thumb when you're when you're out in the mountains. If you want to stop and look at the view, you physically have to stop. Yeah, yeah. You can't you can't take a risk like especially out in Colorado. You'll find yourself falling off a cliff if you're looking around. Um, yeah. So you, you really have to make sure that you you and it's good that you got all your footing correct. And, um, you know, made sure that you were focused on the trail only. Um, but, um, you know, at the aid stations, I mean, I would love to have my aid stations at a viewpoint, but um, Brawley's the only one. Uh, mm-hmm. The other two are pretty much just along the, the road intersections. But, you know, definitely it's a beautiful course. And I'm really happy that Ron suggested that I started out there. Yeah, so I guess coming into the course, the race starts out heading up Free Knob on the on the Benton Mackay Trail, and then it drops down to Old Dial Road, and then you're heading up the trail to Garland Mountain Gap, and as you mentioned, Browley Mountain to Aid Station One. How did those early miles go? You know, like what was it like out there? Uh, do you want to take this one, Amanda? Then I'll go. Um, sure. So I'm a flatlander. It is really flat in Florida. And we started climbing right away and I was like, oh, we're, I'm in for it. Like, it's, it's just going to be, it's going to be a lot of climbing. And I had looked at the map. I was like, all right, you know, a lot of, a lot of the climbing's kind of, I won't say front loaded because we, we climbed the whole way, but you know, you have that, that long, um, forest road there at, at the halfway point that was much more rolling but you know for for me it was just like all right like we're, we're just gonna dig in and we're gonna go as hard as we can um up these climbs because instead I, I knew i was chasing cutoffs so in my mind i had to had to stay at that uh you know 19 to 20 minute mile per minute per mile average and it's like all right we we put some good um made good time up to that first aid station and then had a nice long downhill. And I think by the time we got to aid station two, we were at like 16 minute average per, per mile. And I was like, all right, we're on it. I, I can do this. You know, I was like, all right, we've done some tough climbing already. We're good to go. And then we got to that third aid station, right where the, 
that brutal thing that you put in the middle is where it just went up and up and up and up and up and up and up for like two miles and then we just turned around and came back down that part about killed me but you know i told you i was running with my cousin and he was kind of kind of keeping me on track he's like this is the hardest part of the course if we get past this you got that that mountain road that's just kind of rolling for a while and and we're going to be good and so i really um my whole time other than watching the trail to make sure i didn't fall on my face which i did by the way twice but um not too bad (laughs) but uh the whole the whole time in my in my the only thing that's really kind of occupying my thoughts were all right nothing really hurts like i'm good this is hard but i'm good and what's our average mile per hour mile per minute per mile pace we were under that the whole way and that's just that was my motivation the, the, the whole time was just keeping that on the right side of 20 minutes um so uh, you know, as far as like, how was it here? How was it there? I don't really know. It was under under twenty minute twenty minute miles per per a- average for the whole thing, and and that's really where where my focus was. And I enjoyed the climb, and it was it was hard, but uh, downhills were beautiful. It was awesome. Had fun, and just focused on on the on the watch. Nice. I no, I think that's good. <laughs> um yeah so for me um i actually found um (laughs) i found the downhills to be more difficult um so i do a lot of training here in dalton georgia on like the pinhody trail and Mm -hmm. then get out to blairsville and do some stuff over there so like the climbing for me is just pretty much stuff that I can get out on pretty regularly. Um, but this year I've been racing a few things that poles have not been allowed. And so I've always been a pretty decent downhill runner with poles, but I'm not a great downhill runner without them. So I didn't carry poles for Blue Ridge. And I realized pretty early on that I was going to really have to pay attention to my downhills and just kind of work those. Um, so I guess uh, I started out pretty quick, Um, starts out with a big climb, really enjoyed that part. Um, And then Alex was in second for a bit, and then he came up on me going into the first aid station. And uh, he's like, this is my first 50K. I'm really excited. He's like, that was a really long climb we just did, but it's not too bad. And I was like... Yep, that was a long climb. We still have a lot of climbing left, and uh, he was running it, but, like, I power hike most of my climbs, and so um, I wasn't really sure how... I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, if I wanted to push a little bit harder and stay with him or just let him go, but I just let him go. And coming into aid station two, he had about seven minutes on me uh, before going up to that turnaround summit. And uh, I was like, oh, awesome. We have a little out and back here. So it'll be a perfect time to basically just see how he's looking, see how he's feeling. And um, just on that section, uh, I I was like, you know what? Uh, I think he's looking okay, but not super great. So uh, that's when I decided I was just going to go from it being more of like a long supported effort to actually trying to race it. Um, And so coming back down into that aid station, I had cut his lead by about three minutes. And then 
Uh, I think I caught him at mile 18 or so. But then I started freaking out a little bit because I'm like, oh, no, I'm in the lead at mile 18. We still have a lot of miles left. Um, And I haven't been in the lead of a race at mile 18 in a few years now. So I'm like, how do I race? What am I supposed to do? Like going through all these (laughs) things in my head. Just like, I forgot how to do this. Like, oh, my goodness, this is so wild. Um, But luckily just on that jeep road section i was able to put up a pretty decent gap climbing up to the the tower and then realized we still had four miles of downhill on trail and the whole time that i was going down i was like please don't fall please don't fall please don't fall just run smart you'll be okay um and so i finally made it to the finish uh and won but it's pretty hilarious because there's a video of me like coming into the finish and i totally like miss the right hand turn to the finish line and just keep going straight out to the road and then have to come back and uh <laughs> go under the finishing arch uh, um so yeah we were just kind of laughing about that because I'm known for getting lost on courses, and yet here it was clearly marked, and I just still went the wrong way. Yeah, the uphills and downhills. People always, I, I feel like a lot of people just train uphill, but they don't re- really think about the downhill. That's a huge aspect of any kind of racing, especially in, like, you know, the mountains of Georgia. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, everyone's always like, like race, yeah, just any of these races, people are like, oh, there's so much climbing. And I'm like, yeah, but you still have to go down. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know I made that mistake at the H9, uh, the drag in the 50 mile. I bombed down every downhill. And Jason Green was like, hey, man, you want to walk down these downhills? Did I listen? Nope. Did I realize that at mile like 30? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't you don't fall up a mountain, you fall down a mountain. <laughs> so. That's very true. Oh, I don't know. I've seen some people fall up. <laughs> <laughs> they're going way too fast as they're falling up a mountain. <laughs> Corey, you're the only one that can see those people. We don't ever see those people. <laughs> oh man, it's always funny. Um, like, so I actually, I fell once, um, and thankfully, well, it was on a downhill. Um, but it was pretty funny though because. It was on a pretty smooth section of just downhill. And it's like, oh, like this actually feels pretty okay right now. And then two seconds later, I'm just laying on the ground. And it was on that out and back. So I was just like looking to make sure nobody saw it. You know, I was like, okay, still just play it cool. It's all good. <laughs> and then, you know, as I'm like covered in just mud and dirt, you know, and yeah, but it's all good. <laughs> yeah. And after that, you know, you're heading up, you're heading left up and over bald top and tifton mountain before heading into wilscott gap aid station aid station number two you know how did that go what were the views like so we were um we were about a quarter mile from aid station number two maybe half mile i don't think it was even that far and some old man was hiking up and like he was just out on the trail you know and i was like oh this this poor dude's out here for a hike and he's just have all these people bombing past him but he, he says to us he's like you're almost to the wilson gap and i was like all right thanks I'm like i have no idea what that is or, or what he's talking about but thanks and then we popped out on the road and, and there it was so i was like oh this there's an aid station there. That's awesome. But uh, my first fall was probably three miles before that, two or three miles before that. And um, 
I'm really not sure what happened on my on the first fall. It was um, I was just kind of cruising right along, and then the next thing I knew, I was heading towards the ground. I think I maybe clipped a, a root or something, and I had, had um, <clears throat> I didn't fall super hard, but I landed right on my right on my knee, and then my my quad kept trying to cramp up after that. So um, coming into that aid station, I was just really happy to like have just a minute to kind of to kind of settle to uh to get a little bit of to get a little bit of a snack in me and and a little bit of i think i downed about 10 of those little mini cups of gatorade at that at that aid station there i was like i just gotta just gotta kind of settle down because we're like 10 miles in and i'm already starting to, to cramp up a little bit um and i was pretty sure it was it was really mostly just from just from having taken that little bit of a fall but um i thought the trail was really beautiful there i enjoyed that section from um you have to forgive me i don't remember the the names of all of them but from from where we left hunter at aid station one it was mostly kind of that down into that um gap at aid station two i actually that might have been my favorite time on the trail because i still felt pretty good and my i was comfortable and confident in my footing maybe i maybe i shouldn't have been because like i said I, I did fall in there but i really in, enjoyed that that part of the trail a whole lot yeah that section right there actually uh, burned um the the year before um, we designed this course. So that whole section um, was burned by fire. And what's so cool about that, I know it sounds horrible, but it actually it does great because it kills all that undergrowth and it mm -hmm. allows for you to have some great views there. So from Brawley to Wilscott Gap is you pretty much can see wide open because there's all the trees are now gone. And mm -hmm. all you have is some small, low-lying, one-foot bushes that now you can see. So you actually get the best views there. Even in the summertime now, you can see pretty well there. So um, that's actually the one of the best sections because of that. Yeah, and speaking of sections, so eventually you made Skeena Gap. Man, what did you think of, of Skeena? Because I know for me, man, my balls were chafed last time I was out there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, I love that section. So I, I've done some training runs starting there. Uh, so I knew that climb pretty well. Uh, and it's also in the Cruel Jewel course. So, um, so I was just like, all right, here we go. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the fun part about doing a lot of training in that area is uh, for the people that don't know it that well, it's always like a really rude awakening. And then uh, for the people... <laughs> And then for the people that know it, it's like, okay, we know this next however many minutes is just going to kind of suck, but it, but you'll get through it. I think that's the understatement. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a fun part, though. Was that the, again, you have to forgive me because I'm not as familiar with the, was that, it's Gina Gap, is that where the turnaround was? Yeah, it's just, that's your first, yeah. that's a station number, um, number three, which yeah. is actually number four. You have to, basically, you come down again to a right. gap, and um, <laughs> then you cross over the road, and you go up that turnaround. So, that's the biggest climb of the yeah. race is the halfway <laughs> point. Yeah. That, that almost killed me. That was really hard for me that like both of those miles from the aid station up to the turnaround because it was just about two miles i think we clocked at like 27 minutes each and i was my little flatlander legs and lungs were what i was going as hard as i could um but i will say i was pretty certain we were dead lapped at that point and you know we got to the turnaround and started coming back and 
it actually it actually felt kind of good because there were five or six people on the trail behind us and I was like oh ho, ho, I'm not as bad off as I thought I was um, and I was really enjoying that downhill because even it's as hard as it was uphill I didn't feel like um, the footing was super treacherous and most of it I felt like I could run without without too much you know there there weren't any I don't know. I didn't feel like there were any super steep sections where I was like, oh my God, I'm going to, I'm going to kill myself here if I go too fast. Um, And then we were on one of the little rolly points, probably about three quarters of a mile from the aid station. And I just lost concentration for a second and I stepped on a rock and rolled my ankle. And that's when I, that's where I went down the second time. Um, Like I said, you know, just if you're not used to running on that stuff, um, and maybe even if you are, but you just lose, lose your focus for a second. And, um, you know, when you're falling on the trail, I don't know about you guys when you've fallen in the past, but it's like slow motion, like at 13 thoughts going through my head in the split second that it took to, to roll my ankle and fall. And so I'm falling. I'm like, oh, crap, that actually really hurt. My ankle kind of hurts. And before I hit the ground, my left hamstring completely cramped. And I was like, oh, no. And my cousin's behind me. He's like, you OK? And I was like, going to need going to need a minute. Just give me a second. <laughs> and I was like, okay, like sat up. And um, I had told them at some point, like both of the previous two aid stations, like, oh, I keep forgetting I needed to, to tighten my shoes because this is going to sound kind of crazy probably. But in, in Florida, I don't, I mean, I put my shoes on and they're, they're snug and they feel comfortable and it's not tight enough in the, on the steep descents that you guys have my shoot my feet were just like slamming into the front of my the the toe box and so he's like hey uh while you're down there why don't you go ahead and tighten your shoes so (laughs) i'm like that's that's a great idea so i took literally about a minute and just sat there sat up tied retied my shoes and we got up and kept going and i got about I don't know about 10 steps and I was like all right my ankle's fine my hamstring's fine let's just go get this bugger done and um we knew that you know there was that long nine ten mile stretch that was much more I mean it was still climbing but much more gentle with the rolling um so the the uphill there super super hard the downhill except for the fall I actually really enjoyed and I think that was the point where I was like all right I'm I'm gonna hit this I told you I'm chasing that cutoff because whether Jeff was gonna let me finish or not 10 hours was the goal and I knew I knew I had it in the bag there if I just kept moving so it was good I I like I like that part yeah Amanda you make a good point you know with the u-turn and Corey how are you feeling at the u-turn yeah, um, I was pretty happy to start that downhill just because I knew that we were going to be getting on to uh, Jeep Road uh, for quite a while. And so um, I, I've also been working on just trying to, uh, I guess, working on leg turnover after bigger climbing sections because that's been one of my weaknesses over the past few months or so, just like being able to run uphill really well or hike uphill really well. And then people are just blowing by me on the flat sections and the downhills. So I was actually just really excited to, you know, make that turn, get back down to the aid station to then head out on the road. And when I saw Alex was still in front of me, but um, just looking okay rather than looking like great at that point, um, I I was getting excited because I'm like, oh, I think we're going to have a race on our hands. (laughs) Yeah. And the course with the Jeep roads coming, you know, eventually 
down that long, long clay road. How did those final miles go, with, you know, with the clay road and then back to the mountain bike trails? How'd those miles go? Oh, it's definitely, definitely not mountain bike trails. The, the BMT would really be upset to know that mountain bikers were on that trail. That's all. That's all the foot trail. Oh yeah, the BMT. Sorry. Yeah, the BMT. But th- let me tell you a story about that. The the Forest Service Road. So when Ron Zadorga designed the course, he actually had a race back there in the eighties, and he doesn't like to design where racers are going back at each other, right? You know, back at your in your face, um, especially like Corey, the top runners coming straight at you at full speed on a downhill while you're trying to climb up. It just makes for a difficult race course. So he designed this, you know, five mile section in the middle of the race, which is a lollipop that allows the racers to come in a loop, which bypasses you running into each other. And it's on a forest service road. And so it's kind of like supposed to be a a relief. You know, it's like, oh, okay, now I'm not on the single track BMT. I'm on this forest service where I can relax. Well, the problem was when we first designed the course, which is four or five years ago, the forest service had graded that perfectly groomed, nice and smooth. It was beautiful. But over the years now, it has eroded because of the weather and the rain and trucks and four-wheel drive vehicles in there and motorcycles and all that stuff. It's actually, I thought, from testing the course this year, that it was harder to run on that because of this false sense of security, thinking that I've got great footing, but it's actually not. There was a lot of loose gravel. There was roots everywhere. You really had to pay attention on that. What did you guys think about that as the runner? Yeah, um, <laughs> as, as as I was saying, you know, I was excited to hop on this road and then I quickly realized that the road was going to be a lot more challenging than I thought it would be. Um, and so uh, it was it was interesting, though. Um, like, that's the one spot that I saw Alex fall was on that road. And I just felt so bad for him because I'm like, oh, man, like just taking a fall like that late into a race on just that surface um, is like that one's definitely going to hurt. But also in my head, I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm going to ask him if he's okay, but now is a good time to put in a little bit of a surge because, uh, you know, he's not right on my shoulder now. Um, so he was fine. Um, I do think the race would be interesting if it started on, uh, you know, the climb up to the tower and then hopped on the road for a while. And then, you know, you went back on the single track. I think it'd be fun to like switch directions every year. Yeah. I mean, hey, that's easily done. Um, just switch it up because what, you know, when they, when they, so the, the course at the beginning was you didn't actually go up over free knob at the beginning, you went left and there's a rogue trail there that kind of leads down to up and over and down to the river and you run along the river and that trail is not maintained. Every year I had to go out and I had to trim at least the bushes back or trees that had lots of branches, but I left all the logs. I left all the down trees. You had to go under or over it was kind of like a steeplechase um, the first two years. But the problem was that the Forest Service had shut that road, that, that trail down, and we're not unable to use it anymore. And I was really kind of hoping that, you know, we could add another element of that into this course. But there's just no other trails that have that kind of, you know, um, portion of the race. But thinking about turning it around and, and running it a different direction each time might be interesting for me. But then it's going to throw everybody's times off and everybody's going to be upset that Corey got the easy route and everybody else got the hard route. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can wait two years and come back. Hey, that might be good for my marketing. There you go. Boom. 
<laughs> that just happened. Yeah, Amanda, what did you think? Um, I, if we were, if it was reversed, I think the race would have been a lot harder for me. So the footing was, Corey, I agree with you. You did really, ha- and Jeff, you did really have to still continue to pay attention on that road. But the the grade was just so much easier. I, I, I shouldn't say so much easier. My legs were were fried at that point. But if I had to do the 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 really steep climbing there at that point in the race, like it would have been a lot harder for me. I think that was definitely um, a reprieve of the, the, the steeper stuff. And I felt like I was still working pretty hard, but I was, I was able to recover and kind of maintain pace a little bit better there because it wasn't quite as steep i think it would have been a very different race i love the idea of 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 switching it up you know like forward one year backwards the next year i I think that's always pretty interesting for races and i i think with that race i think it would be a very different race from year to year if you if you reversed it um because that section just on my legs was a lot easier yes yeah well you know you when you know amanda you and i are from florida and my first ultra was um out there in St. Augustine. And I pretty much fell asleep during that thing. It was, you didn't have to do anything. You didn't have to look at the ground because it's just leaves. And every once in a while, like you said, there's a route that you have to be careful of. And you, you could, you could trip and fall off of a route in Florida, but all you're doing is just hitting sand and and just nothing. But out here in the mountains, you trip and fall, you're hitting rocks, you know? And, um, you know, I, I, I realized that the first thing that when I got to start running in, in Georgia is that burn, you know, that, that just over intensified burning of those, those thighs. And then I'm like, all right, well the burn sucks, but now I'm going downhill super fast. Now my knees hurt. And I always wondered how guys like Corey and, 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 and other runners that I've seen just blasting down the trails and up the trails here. And it just takes so much just, experience to to hone in your speed up here because again like you and i we're just cautious runners we're just trying to survive and and not fall and injure ourselves so that we can go back to work on monday right Corey's like a little gazelle just bouncing off of everything and pushing off of trees and flying down the trail and uh i just i just don't know how you know he does it and other runners that i've seen up here that just blow through trails like it's nothing. It just comes with experience over time. Yeah, it does. I think, you know, I I, I could be wrong, but age, age has something to do with it, too. We go, um, like I was saying at, at the very beginning, we go up to Brevard, North Carolina, every summer for running camp. And the vast majority of kids in North Carolina at running camp come from from Florida and they get up there and they they work hard going up. But they those kids, they bomb down those trails. They're going so fast. And there's some just in the years that we've been going to that camp, there's a lot of trails in that area that that have really eroded a lot. And and there's some big gullies. And if you take one misstep, you're like off off the edge. And these kids just bomb down it like like it's nothing and they're like oh it felt so great i can go so fast and i'm like oh my god my knee's gonna explode and if my knee doesn't explode i'm gonna fall into a ditch and and a gully and and just die um but i I don't know i Corey's quite a bit (laughs) he's quite a bit younger than me too i think that that has um I think it has a lot to do with with it with being able to just really let go and be comfortable and going faster on those downhills. Um, 
along with being, you know, able to train on it. And, and, you know, if you live up there and you're on those trails all the time, you definitely, definitely develop some of that experience. But for me, I the age thing has, you know, not that I'm that old, but definitely has, has something to do with it as well. Corey, tell me when, when did you find your mountain legs? You know, cause Hunter talks about it. Um, you know, obviously Hunter's from Florida as well. And he is just starting to develop what he calls his, his mountain legs, um, where he feels comfortable on mountain trails. What did you discover yours? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So I'm originally from Illinois. Um, didn't end up down here in the South until about November of last year. Um, so I've been down here almost a year. And I'd say this summer is when I really put in a lot of just time in the mountains, like late spring, early summer, um, which is not necessarily the best time to be out in these mountains. But, you know, that's when I finally had the fitness to do it. Um, And so it's interesting because a normal year for me training up in Illinois, if if I hit 100,000 feet of elevation gain for the year, like that was that was a huge year for me. And this year I was looking at it and I think I'm at like 350,000 or something like that with still a couple months left in the year. Um, and so it's like, I didn't really start feeling that comfortable with it until this year. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, there have been a lot of falls on trails. There's been a lot of cuts, a lot of sprained ankles, sprained wrists, um you know just many injuries that have come with that but it's like i now finally feel just super confident out there and um starting to push harder even on the downhills yeah the um it's it's, you know you get these you get trail legs but then you get mountain legs um and it's it's almost i i realized that and Amanda, you'll 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 feel this. You probably already feel it after after the race. You felt how sore you were in mm-hmm. different areas that you've never been sore before, because it's so much more balancing. Um, it's a balancing act when you're mountain climbing. You know, when you're when you're you're you're, you're trying to make your way up a mountain, and um, and then going down is even more balancing. Which now you're using all these different muscles in your legs that you didn't have to use in Florida. You know, all we have to deal with is sand. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, you know, in the C to C race, I mean, there is, there, I think there's 700 feet of elevation gain. So that's big. <laughs> all, all of our hill training here in central Florida is done on um, highway overpasses. So like, oh, yeah. we go find a bridge and, and climb over it 12 times and call it a hill workout. So it never worked. I, I used to do bridge repeats. Bridge repeats don't do crap. No, because they're they're a hundred meters long. Yeah, and it's concrete. <laughs> it's flat. It's concrete. It's nothing like a trail. Yeah, it's, it's not, <laughs> you're right. It's not even close. But no. <laughs> Corey, you know, we talked about um, we talked about I, you know, we talked about Eco Challenge a couple of times and how you were so excited during Eco Challenge to finally get off of a freaking billy billy or a boat or everything that we did in the beginning actually start getting on a trail and start running and then you realize that you were carrying a 50 pound backpack and you weren't gonna you know you weren't gonna run you know tell me both of you what did you carry did you guys both have vests did you carry water bottles i mean what was kind of like what was your layout for this race because our our aid stations are pretty close i mean they're four to five miles 
Yeah. Um, I, I wore a vest only because I always wear a vest. Um, like I just don't like carrying anything in my hands because I fall a lot. And so all it takes is one decent fall to smash your bottle and lose your fluids or nutrition. So, um, so yeah, I always use a vest, uh, but I just carried one 17 ounce bottle in that vest. And, um, yeah, I think I have that in my phone. (laughs) Yeah, I just wore a vest as well with like, it had a three liter bladder, but I only had it maybe uh, maybe half full because again, like you said, the aid stations were close enough together. And, you know, <laughs> um, one, one of your nice helpers at an aid station was like, oh, you know, it's okay. Well, I filled it a little fuller than you wanted, but it's a hot day. And I'm like, no, actually it's not remotely hot (laughs) (laughs) compared to what I've been living in for the last, you know, six months because of, you know, Florida, but, um, yeah, just, just the, just a little bit of water. And I have my phone for the just in case, um, scenario, I guess, but that was it. It, it was actually nice. I, I enjoyed not having to um, carry a whole lot. The only reason why I ask is, you know, I've seen all different types of runners out there. And, and it's funny that, you know, you were one of basically someone who's come from adventure racing. Um, yeah. And if you're listening, you don't know what an adventure race is. It's, it's basically, you know, running, paddling and biking and orienteering to find checkpoints along a course um, that ranges anywhere from eight to eight hours to three days and sometimes up to five days depending on races. So it's, um, you're one of my adventure racing family and you come with yep. this aspect of having to wear a big backpack to carry everything yep. in it. And Kyle and Noah, who basically have the course records, um, they basically just had two water bottles in their hands. And because our aid stations had so many snacks and bananas and food and peanut butter jelly sandwiches, they just ate on the fly. Didn't even worry about nutrition. They just had two water bottles, you know? Um, And I've seen that technique a lot. That makes me nervous. I mean, I could never go out with just two water bottles, but uh, they seem to make it work. Oh yeah. You can totally do that on your course. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a big fan of the, just the water bottle method. Like I'll have my pack, but it'll just have like lube and maybe a, a little pack of hot dogs or snacks. So I'll, I'll do the <laughs> double handheld with just water. Oh, I can't stand carrying stuff in in my hands. I don't, I don't like to, I, I, I can't do the handheld. So having, having the, having the vest was nice. It was actually the first time I ever ran with a vest as compared to, um, to a little bit of a bigger backpack. Um, and that, that was really nice. It felt, um, I liked the balance of it a whole lot as compared to the, to the backpack that I usually wear. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't like the handheld bottles at all. And I was um, using some trekking poles. So I had those with me as well. And those obviously don't work so well with a handheld. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm 27. I'm kind of the phone generation. So I'm so used to just running with my phone. That it's like, if I put a water bottle in my hand, like, Oh yeah, it's no different. (laughs) <laughs> i don't know like i i i put my phone in the back of my shorts on like a normal run because the shorts just have a phone pocket there um so i either don't run with anything in my hands or trekking poles but like i absolutely could not do a water bottle in my hands but yeah eventually you know you have all the downhills 
you have all the uphills eventually you make it to that finish line what's that finish line like <laughs> well as i said earlier i missed it uh, <laughs> um, um yeah so i don't know is when we finally got onto the road uh coming off the trail and there's just a little stretch of uh pavement before you cross the bridge again um it was in that stretch where i like looked back just to see if alex was there and he wasn't so i started to finally get excited because i'm like i think i'm gonna win this thing as long as nothing crazy happens but i mean there's still like a half mile left so who knows what could happen in that final half mile um but uh when i finally get to the finish i was just pretty excited because like, that was my first win at the ultra distance since uh, May of 2019. Um, so it's been a while. And it was it was actually kind of funny because people are like, how do you feel? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Um, I guess some th sometimes these things just happen, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> and, like, I'm not really sure how I'm supposed to feel because I haven't felt this in a long time. Um, <laughs> and so it was just really funny. Um, but yeah, I was very happy about it. Uh, and then realized that I still had another 50k coming up a week later and, uh, that happiness turned to like, oh man, I hope I didn't run too hard today. <laughs> well, where did you miss the turn? Literally like <laughs> going through the flags to go to the finish. <laughs> Oh, okay. You didn't turn right. You had to. Yeah, okay. So you're heading basically right out over the road, right into the cafe to go get something to eat. You didn't even bother with the finish. <laughs> yeah. He was going for lunch, man. He was like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just kept going straight and everyone's like, over here, over here. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going over here. And then I'm like, oh, over there. <laughs> and Alex was only like seven or eight away. Uh, he's a few minutes away, so that was good. It gave, it gave me some time. <laughs> that, but, that, that was pretty funny. I was like, yeah, of course I'd miss it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the finish line for me was funny because uh, when we left the last aid station, like it was four miles here, and I, I was like, all right, got about four miles, and Hunter's like, yep, got four and a half. I'm like, and a half? Where's the half coming in? He's like, but you know, then it, it's, you know, you get the last little bit is on the road. And, it's, and I'm thinking in my head, yeah, that was a half a mile on the road. And he goes, and that's, that's a mile. So that makes it like a half mile. I'm like, no, there's only a half mile on the road. But so the whole way I'm like, again, just kept looking at my watch, kept looking at my watch, making sure I was, was going to get there in time. And we get to the bottom of the trail where it, it hits the road. And, um, he had like a, I don't know, in cross country, we would call him a course monitor. He had a guy there and he's like, all right, a mile to the finish. I'm like, no, it's only a half mile. I swear. And so, but I was like, all right, just like, let's dig. It's, 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 you know, I gotta, I gotta make it. I gotta make the cutoff at this point. It doesn't matter um, how hard I have to push. I'm going to make it. And uh, I start running and, and your, your um, people on the microphone who were watching, us stragglers coming in she's like she's like if you can make it over this bridge in the next 12 minutes you're good to go you're gonna be under the cutoff i was like okay i'm pretty sure i can get from me to you in 12 minutes so i just kind of put my head down and and jogged in and made it in i don't know probably more like two minutes instead of 12 and i was just so happy to be in under under the 10 hour mark so super happy to be done um Hunter was actually coming across the road right as I finished from, I think he was over in the cafe 
He's like, you want some pizza? And I was like, no. <laughs> I, I, he gave me a hug. Was like, want some pizza? I'm like, I really do, but no, I, I need a minute. And um, yeah, I was just, I was just really, really glad. I was. Um, I'm not one to often say like that. I'm proud of myself or proud of my efforts or whatever. I just kind of do what I do. And but I was, I was really, you know, I kind of set out to do something really hard, um, and. I wasn't as prepared as I should have been. And I was like, screw it. I'm going to do it anyway. And let's just kind of see, um, see what the human body can do. See what, see what you can ask of yourself and get out of yourself. Even if you feel completely entirely under, under prepped. Um, and the fact that I, I stayed really in a good headspace mentally the whole time, which has not always been my case with athletic stuff like that and um, enjoyed the day and stayed exactly attuned to where I needed to be as far as times and everything went. And I was just really, really kind of, I know it sounds super cheesy, but kind of proud of myself that, that I, I set out to do something hard and was able to, able to meet that goal. Um, it's just one of those things that kind of gives you this idea that, you know what, I can, whatever challenge is thrown out there. If I, if I could get this done, I'm going to be able to do whatever, whatever I need to do. And I think all that was kind of settling through my, floating through my brain as I was coming into the finish. Oh yeah, exactly. You know, I coach, um, I told you I coach cross country. I, I coach a little bit of everything, but cross country track and field and whatever. And, and it's the middle school kids I coach in, in cross country. And, um, about, about a month before the race, I was, I was all set to just, to just bail on it. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not ready. It's, it's really stupid. I was, I was on track in the summer and I'm not right now. And it's just, it's just not a good idea. And so I had told, um, I told my cousin, uh, like I'm gonna, I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bail on it. I'm not gonna do it. And he's like, "All right, listen, that's fine. Um, if you're in, I'm in." He's like, "But you know, you're coaching all these kids all the time, and I think there's so much for you to learn from from just going out there and and getting this done, whether you perform well or or not, whether you make the cutoff or not. You know, for you to." you're going to have a really different perspective that you can bring to your coaching from coming out and, and really pushing yourself really right to your limit to see what you're going to do. And he was basically like, I think you're going to regret not doing it. And I think you're going to have a hard time looking your kids in the eye and knowing that you, you quit before you even started. So I was like, fine, damn it. You knew exactly what I needed to hear. And you said it. And so that was, that was kind of there too. Like that, you know, I, I tell my kids all the time, you know, we got to, we got to dig deep and leave it all on the course and, you know, all that stuff that coaches say, um, and stuff that I've done in my athletic career before, but it's been a long time. So just kind of, kind of brought me back to that a little bit. I'm kind of excited to, um, to be able to see what I can, how I can kind of mold that experience, take that experience from my own career and as, as an athlete and, and kind of relate it to what, what kind of challenges my, my own athletes might be going through as well. Yeah, exactly. Like it's that perspective. It's crazy when you think about it, but it's like, we always preach that these things, but man, you know, it's so hard just to do it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, there's a, my husband is a huge cycling fan. Um, he loves, he, he, he was a competitive road cyclist for, for years and, you know, loves like the Tour de France and, and stuff like that. And there's a, a cyclist, I don't know if you guys might be familiar with him, Jens Voigt. And, um, he's got, he's got, um, he's a pretty funny guy and he's done some interviews where he, he talks about how, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's mind over body on, on some of your, your really long, hard races. And sometimes your, your brain just has to take over and your brain has to say, shut up legs. You, you go now. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> it's a great story. I don't tell it very well, but when you're talking to sixth, seventh and eighth grade little kids, you tell them that story. And, and if you tell it just right, they totally buy in. So I, I told that story a couple a couple of years ago to one of my teams, and um, you know, like every race, they're like, "Shut up, legs! Shut up, legs!" And they they love stories like that. And now I kind of got my own story. I don't have to tell somebody else's story. I guess is that that kind of that's kind of a cool perspective for me to have. Is you know, at some point in the future, when a kid is struggling and is like, "Oh, I'm not." You know, I haven't had a, maybe they've had some injuries or maybe they've had some reasons why they haven't been able to to perform as well as they'd like during the season. Um, you know, when you got a little bit of a story that that's got a personal a personal meaning to it, a personal background to it, um, that that can mean a lot. And I think it's going to I think it's going to carry over far past, you know, what I did two weekends ago in the in the mountains in Georgia. And I think it's going to help me. um be a better coach in the long run as well, which is, is a pretty cool thing to take from it. Yeah, that's awesome. And I guess the finish line, Jeff, what's going on for you? Well, I'm just trying to get the generator running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was a complete nightmare with the generator, uh, you know, running out of gas in, in the middle of the race and then losing all the power to the timing. Um, but, you know, uh, we recovered pretty quickly, but so um, I hired this 16-year-old girl to come and work the, the – you never know what you're going to get when you, when you do volunteers. And um, I, I tend to, to like to use staff instead. I like to hire people to come. And um, she really wanted to come to the race. And I said, you know, okay. And I was busy. And um, I had to take care of some things. And I said, hey, take this microphone. And when you see a runner, you know, cheer them on. She never let go of that microphone for six hours. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she was handing out the medals as you came across the finish line and was the MC. did a much better job than I could ever do. And she was emceeing every single runner that came across. She was announcing their <laughs> big number, cheering them on, getting the crowd pumped up to cheer people on. She did a fantastic job. And I think she really brought a lot of life to the finish line. And and I've always been trying to create a, a finish experience um, that makes you feel like you really accomplished something, you know, a, a, you know, a, a, an area that has a lot of flags, uh, has a lot of photo op opportunities to show that, you know, your family and friends that you did something incredible and just give you all, all overall experience. Cause I've gone to ultras where there's a guy sitting on a park bench with a clipboard and just like, hey, congratulations. All right, man. See you later. Bye. You know, I'm like, really? I just ran 32 miles and that's all I get is a, you know, a one dude going, congrats, man. Thanks. What's your name? Okay. Thanks. Bye. You know, so 
it, it didn't feel like I accomplished anything except a trail run or like a training run. So with the finish line being the way it is and, and, and um, Addison doing such a great job with the microphone, um, hopefully it was a good experience for everybody, um, you know, at the end. Yeah, it was a great experience. It was awesome. She told me you got 12 minutes to make it about a quarter mile. If you can do that, you're official. And I was like, yes. And you heard that, you heard that from down the road. Oh, yeah. 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 So you get at the bottom, at the bottom of the trail and you first, I guess, turn right. And there's, um, I don't know, it's probably not a barn, but that's kind of what it looked like in, in my delirious state at that point. A little house or whatever that was kind of blocking the view a little bit. And, um, and then you can see the bridge and. She's just like, yay! She saw me. She must have seen me. I mean, so the the one guy who had passed us, who had passed me from the previous aid station, wasn't too far in front, and my cousin. And then she saw me right away and was like, um, I was still, you know, on the on the road, not too far from where we turned out on the trail. And she saw me coming, and it's like, come on. <laughs> you got 12 minutes. I was like, okay, if I can't get to where I can hear the microphone that loudly in 12 minutes, then I don't deserve to finish. So yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> there, were, there were actually a couple of people on the bridge too. I think, I don't know if they were racers or volunteers, but there were, there were a couple people on the bridge too. When I was, when I was crossing it, where it was like, you know, just the, the usual, you got this kind of stuff. It, it felt like a finish, which, which was nice. I, I know what you mean about, about races that, you know, you just kind of it doesn't feel like there's any kind of fanfare at all and it, it, it was cool like i mean i was i was way at the back end most people had already packed up and gone home and i've heard a lot of stories from runners who are like yeah like you could tell they were just kind of waiting for me to finish so they could drive away and i didn't i didn't feel like that at all i felt like you guys definitely um all of the flags were still up, you know, the metal hander router was still there with a rack of, you know, with a few extra metals. And it felt like I had a, like I finished an event, not like people were waiting on me so they could go home, which was nice for sure. Well, I, you know, I, I've, I've definitely made that mistake before I had, uh, I had a, I had a pavilion rented for a race and we had to be done with by, um, six o'clock that night and be out of there because there was a wedding coming in at like seven. And oh, no. <laughs> so we knew we had one team still left out there on the course that was really struggling to get to the finish line. And we were, we were almost going to go pick them up, but we said, I think they're going to make it in time. But we started packing up. And yeah. when they got to the finish line, the uh she was just she was just all upset you know that we had started packing up and it was kind of a basically a slap in the face saying you know you didn't care about us and and you just decided to start climbing un un unwillingly i i had to get out of there and i knew that it was going to take us like a couple of hours to break down and we we were just kind of like prepping the takedown but it was just enough <laughs> to upset her and i yeah. realized at that point and that was years ago and i said at that point i said i'm never gonna have that happen again it needs to look exactly the same for Corey all the way to amanda 
So. Well, I appreciate that. But, you know, even even just so you had those nice like the finish line flags when you just kind of stick up in the air, you know, that can even be like for for me personally, if that's the, if that's the only thing still standing, but there's somebody there at the finish line cheering me in and giving me a medal and, and I have a, an actual finish line to cross, um, I, I would have been I would have been happy. Um I, I wouldn't have been upset with you for breaking down the pavilion, but I've been in enough adventure races. I know what those are like too, but um, yeah, it was, it was nice. It was definitely, it, it was, it was nice to, um, to have a, a finish line experience. I, I knew where I was in the race. You know, I knew I was at the end. I knew, you know, Corey was probably halfway home already by then. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it, you have its cutoff time that says this is this is the amount of time you get. You should have the finish line for that long, and you did. It was it was great. I, yeah, I appreciate it for sure. And in the food, I, I mean, I've been I've been second to the last at an at an at an event, and you know they they'd be just like, yeah, uh, there's some uh, there's some pizza over there, and I'm like, shit, what time y'all? get that pizza delivered eight hours ago you know it's like really there's some cold slice of cheese pizza that just looks nasty and i'm like yeah i think i'll pass and i'll go to a restaurant but you know when with my agreement with iron bridge cafe i was like listen you know i i'm gonna need you guys to stay open all the way till 6 6 30 you know because that that's how long the racers are going to be. So they, they start serving the 15 K runners come in around 11 o'clock. And so yeah. they start serving from 11 all the way to six, a hot, fresh meal. Now, they, now at six o'clock, they might've been out of a few things. Like they ran out of burgers, you know, like a five, you know, so, but they at least mm-hmm. got a, a home cooked meal, just like anybody else at the end. And it does it. it the, the, the reason that, I do the races the way that I do with them is because of the bad experiences that I've had as an athlete throughout the years, you know, and I'm also very open to insults. I don't have a problem with t- telling me that something sucks or you did something wrong or, you know, I've been, I've been abused and, um, but it's great because I'm like, you know what? You're right. I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't, I should have it like this. So when you get, to come to one of my races now, it's all because of feedback from all of the athletes and from my bad experiences. So yeah, yeah, Jeff, and that's what I do with my races. Either be you know Skunk Ape's Revenge, the Skunk Ape Night Run, or the new Wild Boar Night Run. Like I'm here for the race leaders. You know they came out to just absolutely crush it. I'm out here for the middle of the pack. You know I love seeing all the runners come in, and with that, you know obviously part of it. I'm here for those final finishers. They spent the most time on the course. Like, it doesn't matter really where you finish. Because for me, like, I've raced from the front of the pack, you know, even winning races, to right there in the middle of the course, in the middle of the pack, or even all the way back chasing those cutoffs. I've been in every position. It's just kind of the thing of, you know, it's your race at your pace. That that come one, come all attitude. Like, I'm here for everyone. And honestly, I love all the stories. And there's so many stories from the front of the pack, middle of the pack, and back of the pack. The best stories are everywhere. I'm appreciative of the fact that I can go home then. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been up for like 36 hours, you know, getting everything ready. So I'm like, yeah, there's the last runner. Congratulations. All right, good. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for keeping it. <laughs> 
Uh, I mean, honestly, sometimes those are the most uh, amazing experiences. Absolutely. A lot, a lot of time to be in your head out there. I was um, <laughs> a little bit, su- I, I don't know if I was surprised, but I definitely um, took note, I guess, of how much of the time we were by ourselves, Ian and I, my cousin and I, for almost the entire race. Like, even right from the start, like, there were, what, what we say, 91 finishers, but it, it spread out quick, you know, and you're, you're by yourself a lot. And, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of time in your own head, a lot of time to think it's, yeah, it was, it was really nice to, to just kind of be able to, you know, my, my grandfather, he was a, he liked to golf and he said he, he never liked to play golf by himself because, you know, if you get a hole in one, what's the excitement from the excitement's not so much from the hole in one, it's from celebrating it with the people that, that you're out there with. Um, so, yeah, like we a lot of time on the course at the end, but or uh, uh, on the course by ourselves, but at the end, and you know, Jeff, I, I love, I told you, I, I like you a lot, but I love Hunter. He's he's a great kid, and he saw me at check in, and he's like, oh, I'm so excited you're here, and you know, and then I saw him at aid station one and aid station four, and he's like, I'm gonna beat you to the finish. I can't wait to see you at the finish, and he came over and gave me a big hug, and he's like, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> It's like, I'm such a dork. Like, I don't know why you're proud of me. You're like this amazing athletic kid. And I'm just like this, you know, old woman out here plodding along. But I was just so excited to see him at the finish. And, you know, like having having people there who are genuinely kind of excited for you to, to be done and to a- accomplish something. And, you know, it's a, again, back to your, your girl on the microphone there, you got 12 minutes and you're going to be official. I was like, yes. Somebody understands why I'm out here just to be <laughs> official. So yeah, it was, it was great. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. And I guess we can kind of start closing it out with, for the Blue Ridge Ultra, obviously, what's the good, the bad, and the ugly out there? All right, well, I'll go. I was DFL, so I'll, I'll take it first. And when you can uh, have Corey tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly from, from the winner's perspective at the end. I um, I didn't have an ugly. Like, that was what I was, I think, most Im- impressed with. Like, I have been that athlete before where I get in my own head and, you know, I start to struggle and go in, in that, in that dark spot. And, um, I didn't have that, which was obviously good, but I didn't have that ugly moment, which was, which was really, really cool. Um, the bad would just be the two times, you know, that I went down and it's like, what the heck, what am I doing? You know, like how, how did I let that happen? But, um, again, fortunately, no, no real injuries from either of those falls at all. A little bit of a, of a rolled ankle, but that's not, that's not too big of a deal. And the good was, you know, you set Corey set the challenge to go out and win it and, and he won it. I set the challenge to just go out and just see what I could, what kind of limit I could push myself to and see if I could get in under, under that 10 hour mark. And, and I did it. And that was, that was awesome for me. So um, for me, the whole experience really was, was really just good. It was a really good experience overall. Ah, that's so awesome. (laughs) Yeah. um, hmm, Yeah, kind of like you. I don't think I really had an ugly part to the race. Um, 
like nothing really nothing really went wrong and i didn't really have to go to a dark place either so that was pretty nice um the bad i would say that i could have done better on nutrition and hydration a little bit um i'm still just trying to kind of dial it in and just um with what worked this summer is not the same thing that's going to work in the fall, which is not the same thing that's going to work in the winter. And like, thankfully it was one of those like beautiful fall days, but it was also quite a bit cooler than it has been. So I think I just kind of misjudged my nutrition a little bit. Um, the good, I mean, who, who wouldn't enjoy a win, you know? So, I mean, <laughs> the win was good. Um, but honestly, like seeing people, seeing Hunter, seeing Jeff, like, uh, that's just always fun. Like, I don't know. Uh, I enjoy racing, but I also just really enjoy seeing some of the same people, you know, year after year at different races and events and just out training and stuff. So that's always good. Sure. Well, from the race director's perspective, I guess, um, my worst was definitely the generator failing in the middle of the, uh, event and knocking out the timing. Um, that really put a damper on, on our, basically trying to do awards <laughs> and, and and getting everybody's time right um but you know i mean stuff like that happens and that was probably the worst part um the best part was definitely the weather um again we had such crappy weather the first three years and this fourth year we had this beautiful cool crisp morning it only got to 64 um at the highest point of the day so when that guy said it was getting hot i don't know what in the world he's talking about <laughs> so i don't know what was going on there why he was hot but um the weather was absolutely the best part and um i'm just happy to um you know be able to have this race i'm happy that the blue ridge uh, the town of blue ridge sponsors it and allows us to have that the forest service has done such a uh, a great job with um you know still issuing permits that you know, we've had some major issues um, all across my races um, with uh, Forest Service and permitting since 2020. I mean, they've laid off so much staff. They're shorthanded. Um, there's not as many volunteers coming out uh, to maintain the trails. So when you when you talk about like the Forest Service road has not been graded in a long time. I mean, we, we pretty much have to get used to the fact that trails are just not going to be in the best conditions possible um, until we get, you know, crews back out there and, and start maintaining them. But other than that, I'm just excited to be able to do the race again. And this is going to be a staple race um, in, in Blue Ridge. And hopefully one day I'll be able to retire and somebody else can take over this. <laughs> <laughs> and Hey, Corey, so Taggart has a question for you. Oh boy. <laughs> hey, when are you guys going to go head to head? Uh, I've already told him any time. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah. Then maybe the Endurance Hunter 100 should be the race that you guys go head to head on. Hey, yo. I mean, there you go. I mean, uh, go for a hundred miler, you know, I mean, don't, don't just go for an ultra. Let's go. Let's go all the way. 100 miles. <laughs> so like a, that would be very interesting for him yep <laughs> there you go see well you guys, yeah. you guys let me know i know the race director i could probably get you in <laughs> perfect 
Well, hey, y'all, this was awesome. Yeah, thanks for the invite. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was sweet. It's funny. I'm like, I'm usually available, and then it's like, uh, sorry, I can't make seven o'clock. I uh, can't make seven fifteen. Uh, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you from my end. Thank you for coming to the race. Finally, you know, I know Hunter's been pestering Corey to come out and do one of our races. And I'm, hopefully you had a good experience and want to come back for more. And, and I know that Hunter wants you to come to his race. So look at April and figure it out. And maybe you can put something together. And uh, Amanda, I'll see you back in Florida sometime, hopefully, um, you know. And for sure, we're, yeah. we're, we're going to get back out racing again here before she won, I think. So, yeah. 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 All right, guys. Well, thanks a lot for having me. Right. And, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Heck yeah. Okay. All right. See you guys. Bye, y'all. Bye. And there we have it for the stories from the Blue Ridge Ultra. It's just north of us here in Florida, in Bannon County, Georgia, home of the city of Blue Ridge. And hey, with that, until next time, happy trails.